powerful you have become, Dooku. The dark side I sense in you. I've become more powerful than any Jedi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of canatimeline.com. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How are you two doing? Doing good. Doing good. I'm doing great. Just came back from Italy, which was awesome. Nice. Yeah, you sent us some pictures. Yeah, saw saw some funny, like, Star Wars toys. I, I forgot to send you guys pictures of those. They were just a little, uh, you know, janky, very uh, off-brand third-party Star Wars toys. Oh, those are the um, best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have picked some up. But, uh. Star conflicts. <laughs> yes. Space guy with light sticks. Sp- anyway, <laughs> well, for this episode, keeping on our train of, g- of going through the prequels, uh, last, last uh, episode we did it, episode one, kind of a look back and we talked about it this week we're going to do episode two attack of the clones and uh i i know becky you watched it twice and alex i don't know if you watched it at uh, all in the we, last... we just rewatched the whole series about a month ago so gotcha okay so you're caught up i rewatched good. 51 minutes so i literally stopped when he's like oh hey Django fit man I don't know if I have as many nice things to say about this one as episode one. So it's interesting. Um, I looked it up to see what the critical response was for this one, because um, I agree with you, Josh. In my mind, this is the weakest of the three. I mean, critically, the the third one is far and away um, above the other films. But this one is actually rated uh, 10 points higher on Rotten Tomatoes and a little bit higher on Metacritic, which surprises me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Phantom Menace suffered from, like we talked about last week, too high of expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but this one is still, it's around a 50, 65 on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people just called it dull. And uh, I tend to agree. Isn't, isn't a 65 like fresh? Uh, yes. I think that's, I think that's funny. So, yeah. It's funny considering like how much hate this movie gets. It's true. Yeah, we're not getting like, you know, 30s and stuff like that that you see in like Twilights and stuff like that. Um oh, that's harsh. But, I saw that sorry. movie. <laughs> sorry. Hey, it's, I read hey, all the it's Twilight true. books. It's true. I read them too, Becky, you know. <laughs> I read them and I I I you know what? I'll admit it. I enjoyed the first one. To be fair, I actually didn't even finish the last one cuz it's too long. Oh, I, I didn't either. It was <laughs> As soon as she got, I mean, spoilers, I guess, for Twilight. As soon as she got turned into a vampire, I was like, oh, this is not fun anymore. Yeah, um, you're like, oh, whatever. Tangent. Um, so this film came Twilight, out. T- Twilight tangent. <laughs> in 2002, um, I was 14. At the time, I did enjoy it. I remember seeing it with friends in uh, sitting in the very front row. I, I was into sitting in the front row for movies back in the day for some reason. And I remember I was so excited that I didn't even sit like in my chair. I sat on the floor just so mm-hmm. I could have absolutely nothing in my peripheral. <laughs> I wanted just the giant Star Wars in front of me. Um, and I remember enjoying it. Um, reading some of these reviews, a lot of the positive comments talk about the technical feats again. 
so I think that was also impressive to me. Um, and then we'll talk in, in, in more detail about it, but my most vivid memory from seeing it was the moment that Yoda reached for his lightsaber. And I remember the crowd going absolutely nuts. Um, Cause it's like a really great shot that pushes in and he's like, all right, fine. We'll do this with lightsabers. And you're like, yeah, oh and, my we, gosh. and like they talk him up in the original trilogy so much. They're like, he's Yoda. Like he's the dude. And then, and then you you finally like get to see him, you know, it's like Chekhov's gun for 30 years, basically. <laughs> and then they're like, here you go. It's finally coming out. It's like, Oh my God. Well, they tease that scene so much too. Like some of the artwork, some of the first artwork that was released, it was literally a picture of Yoda flying in the air with the lightsaber. Like, oh my God, are we actually going to see this? Or is this just like a sticker? And then That's like so you said, funny. he I grabs no the idea. lightsaber and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, here it comes. I didn't know that at the time. It came as a total surprise to me. Oh, yeah. Um, it was, uh, I remember seeing that image at Target when we went to go buy the toys um, before the movie came out. And there's this giant cutout of Yoda like flying in the air right at you with the lightsaber. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you did. And then I did, and I was like, oh, he's really fast. Yeah, he does all these great, and they do a good job with it. It doesn't look ridiculous. He's just spinning around and hopping around like he would. It makes sense for his character, the way he fights, and he has his little short green lightsaber. But anyway, that was my experience and my memory seeing the film. I, I I didn't have the same attachment to it. I didn't watch it religiously once it came out on dvd like i did for phantom menace but i do remember enjoying it what's your memory of of seeing the film and your first impressions of it so 2000 do you know the month what was the month of it's always may right may i say it was may so i would have been man like 11 i don't remember seeing it at all Mm. honestly i remember having the dvd and all that but i i can't i cannot picture myself like in the theater watching two it's which is weird because i can for one and i definitely can for three because i was in high school mm-hmm. for three and i remember my dad and i went to the midnight showing like i somehow dragged him into <laughs> into going to that good father and, yeah but i remember uh, enjoying it as a kid or i guess yeah i would still have been a kid mm-hmm I was a kid until I was like 23, honestly. I was going to say, we're, we're, we're doing a Star kids. Wars podcast, Yeah, we're right? still kids. The older I get, yeah, it's like like 21, man. I was I was like a kid. <laughs> it's like, man, I'm 29 now, and I go to Toys R Us almost every other week, so. There you go. It's all it's relative. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alex, what about you? Do you remember your first impressions of the film? Uh, I remember loving it just because you finally got to see this Clone War that you heard Obi-Wan talk about in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, but opening day, I remember again, like we did for episode one, going after school, waiting in a, few, a line for a few hours, seeing it, and then I don't remember, I don't know if you guys did this, but a f- maybe month two or three of it being out, they released it on IMAX. Oh. So we went to go see it uh, up in San Jose, California, where they have the uh, Tech Museum. They have a domed IMAX theater. So we got tickets right away. Went to go see. Attack of the Clones in IMAX and the battle on Geonosis on a domed IMAX screen that surrounds you was amazing. Yeah. Just seeing the ships and hearing, you know, surrounds. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. That's Um, awesome. But what was weird is that, I don't know if it was for all the IMAX or just that one, they cut scenes from it to make it short. Huh. So I I remember seeing that as a kid and be like, wait a second, I just saw this not that long ago and we're missing scenes. 
Wow. Well, it's a long film. It's two hours and 22 minutes or something. It is yeah. long, yeah. It's also a lot of big film, so I'm sure that there was a, a budget reason behind that, too. Mm. Yeah, because that wouldn't have been all digital by then, right? No, so it was it all... It was all uh, like seventy millimeter. Yeah, so they were like, "Man, this is gonna be. This is gonna take up a lot of room." You know? Cut out all the scenes with Anakin whining, and we'll be good. Yeah, I just gotta say, how messy is fruit in Star Wars? Because who the hell <laughs> eats fruit with a f- knife and a fork? Come on. <laughs> That's your first complaint. All right. We, well, it's because <laughs> I have it playing with subtitles because I didn't finish it. And I just I just passed that and was like, what are they doing? Yeah. No, I I, I actually like that moment because the way he cuts it, it's like so smooth. And I'm so curious what that tastes like. Like there's no core to it. He cuts right through it. Yeah. It's like a, well, it's like a space pear. I was about to say that. Like. Yeah. Space pear. Yeah. Pears don't have. Do they? They have a small <laughs> core, not like an apple, but there's there's a core, but not space pairs. Not space pairs, apparently. I, apparently, apparently. Not, yeah. They Naboo. They genetically modified everything on there. Am I gonna get no credit for my pair pun there? Oh, I get oh, it. Whoa! <laughs> Shut it down. The episode's over. That was so. In summary, space pairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So episode two. I'm going to start it the same way we did last time, looking at the crawl. Um, so there's unrest in the Galactic Senate. Again, we're, we're bogged down in the Senate. Uh, several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. Uh, the Separatist movement under the leadership of the mysterious Count Dooku has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Abadala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. And so I have lots of questions out the gate. Thousands of solar systems have declared their intention to leave. There are a lot of solar systems in this Republic. Yes. And apparently, a, uh, I almost cursed a ton of jedi there must be you know yeah. in order to if there are thousands of systems i don't even know how this republic stood to begin with and then they say that there hasn't been a war since the formation of the republic and i'm like how has that happened yeah it's all just been bounty hunters and stuff like and i guess that leads to my next question is why are the separatists leaving the republic obviously their machinations put in place by count dooku and sidious to create this rift and to weaken the Republic, but thousands of solar systems can't have like chatted with with Dooku. So, is there is there more information out there about what this movement is about? I think they allude to that in the Clone Wars cartoons that some of the Separatists were not uh, happy with the way that the Senate ran, and that there wasn't an even representation of the different sides of the different you know parts of politics. So, mm-hmm. if one star system is having an issue, if they need help. There's thousands of other, you know, planets that can vote to, you know, downgrade their one issue. Which um, I guess we see in, in episode one. Yeah, we see that there. And, and there's an episode on the Clone Wars where uh, Padme has a friend on the Separatist side. And they kind of, they talk a little bit about that. But in the movie at this point, we, we know nothing of, of the issues, which I was kind of hoping would have, there would have been more of an explanation in the film. Right. Yeah. They don't really touch on it at all. It's just kind of like the Separatists are evil. Yeah, I, it is true. That's That's sort of just the way they paint them. And then... That they they don't even really talk about it other than the crawl. It seems like they're just kind of like, yeah, someone's trying to assassinate Padme. Like that seems to be like the overwhelming focus. So yeah, here's the thing about this film, and what I find it, it's so strange is that there's two main plot points 
that are kind of the dry the majority of the film and that's this mystery of who's trying to kill Padme and then this horrible horrible love story and the assassination attempt is so bizarre to me in the way that we get from that to finding both the clone army and the separatist army and it, it leads me back to the questions we were talking about last week was what is Sidious slash Palpatine's plan because he's the one who says well let's bring Anakin and Obi-Wan to protect Padme which inevitably leads to Obi-Wan discovering the clone army and the separatist army which I guess now that I'm saying it it just seems like far too many coincidental things for him to have hoped that, that, that all these discoveries would be made and all of these, and they would have made the right decisions to, to start this war. And that, and that the bounty hunter would have then gone to Geonosis as he was fleeing Obi-Wan seems very coincidental. I mean, he didn't, he, he probably didn't count on the fact that Obi-Wan has an Italian alien friend who runs a cafe that knew right? exactly what that dart was. <laughs> And that because the... like, hey, come on in, I'll tell you what's going on. Like, it's <laughs> not maybe it's not that like explicit, but like I always call that guy the Italian Dexter Jester. <laughs> yeah, he's like, pulling up his pants in that scene. Uh, yeah. He seems like a genial man, but yeah, I mean that's a great point. And like, if they wanted Obi Wan to find Camino, why did they erase it from the archives? Um, Which my god okay we were talking about this beforehand i don't understand how that didn't cross anyone's mind they're like where could it have gone oh it just doesn't exist like the hubris of like <laughs> of just, the chick just in saying the like it might be there we just maybe either yeah <laughs> she's like, she's like oh if it's yeah it's not in our archives it doesn't exist it's like <laughs> how do you know that we discover new species every day, lady. But, I mean, that's another part of, you know, the downfall of the Jedi, the hubris mm-hmm. is, hey, well, we, if it's not there, it doesn't exist. Well, you know, you're being blind to, like, a simple thing that a child points out. I was going to say, Alex, yeah, that kind of points to the rigidity of Coruscant and, and the government and the Jedi at that point, honestly, um, and how blind they were to this this huge... Force and they mention that. Um, I, I do appreciate how there's a scene between Mace Windu and, and Yoda, and you know they don't explain why in the films they do in the Clone Wars series, um, but they do say, "Hey, our ability to to see stuff is just not here anymore, and <laughs> we should let someone know." And Yoda's like, "Nah, let's not tell anybody about this." So there is a, a bit of an explanation, but I just again from this Darth Sidious side, it just seems all too convenient. I think that's what makes it a little dull because it's not like you're excited to go down this path with Obi-Wan, this mystery, because it doesn't really make much sense. And then on the other end, half the time we're spending with Anakin and Padme and it's just one eye roll after the other. But once things start blowing up and there's action at the end, it's, it gets a little more exciting. And um, there, are some, there are some really quality conversations and scenes. Um, so there is some good in there for sure. So let's start with Anakin. Ugh. <laughs> Man. He's super whiny. Yeah, very whiny. He like, hates sand. He does he does hate sand. He gives off a really creepy vibe in this movie. Like this is a this is a young Anakin who's vying for a woman, what, ten years older than him, who's not really into a relationship at the time, who, and he just stares he? at her. Who he hasn't seen in 10 years. Yeah, he hasn't seen her, and he's just like, oh, okay. He hasn't heard from her. Like, she's not even the same person. 
I'm not even the same person I was like a week ago. How? How? Absolutely. He is creepy to the level of, of it being very uncomfortable. And they even show her being very uncomfortable. And she even says she's uncomfortable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he talks about love, of how it's torment, it's suffering, it's agony. But having watched it twice in three weeks, which is a silly thing to do, but I did it. Um, I, the thing that bothers me more if we're ta- talking about just the romance part of, of his storyline, is not necessarily him. Because it, what is he, 18? Around that age. He's 18, never had a girlfriend, totally screwed up because of his mom, huge mom issues. He's a teenager in love and has this obsession. It, it's not as bizarre to think of a, a young man being totally obsessed with a woman. What disappoints me is this 28-year-old former queen who somehow is enthralled by this creepy child. It does, <laughs> it's a disservice to her, the intelligence that she shows throughout the, all three films. Anytime he has like a total weird moment, she, she gives like a leveled response. But the fact that she somehow finds him endearing is just makes no sense to me. I have a quick question for you guys, going back to, to the way Anakin is and his creepy vibe and all that. Do you think that his attraction to uh, Padme was not necessarily like full attraction, but in a way trying to find a surrogate for someone to be close to? Like he's lost his mother. He, he never really expects to see his mother again. He's seeing someone he hasn't seen in 10 years, someone who even at a young age probably, you know, thought she was beautiful. He referred to her as an angel at one point. Mm-hmm. And now he, he's trying to make that connection to have that kind of a connection again. And that's where this creepy vibe comes off. He's trying to find that replacement for you know the i guess love in a way really yeah absolutely i think that's 100 percent accurate and that's why it came off to me the second viewing is not as offensive from a story standpoint Mm -hmm. because it does make sense with his character yeah and then if you look at that and the way that his story evolves with her and trying to prevent her from dying you know as you see later on the mom passes away in his hands in his arms it's that whole you know circular it just keeps going over and over the same story over yeah no, that that I, that follows for me. His obsession with her is not necessarily about her as a person. Yeah, I I think it is a it's a selfish mm-hmm. sort of love. I got to put this video in the show notes because I watched it last week and it was it was amazing. Um, but the YouTube channel Wisecrack they did a thing called the Philosophy of Darth Vader and they break down this whole problem about how Anakin is so afraid of loss that he's like willing to do anything to uh you know to overcome his death denial and stuff Mm. yeah and and his relationship with padme is sort of just an extension of him being afraid of losing his mom and then him losing his mom is like the jumping off point for him to to be like not again i won't lose anyone i love ever again so when he starts having you know because he's he has the dreams about his mother in this one in episode two when she dies and then in episode three starts having the dreams about padme and that just sends him into a frenzy all that stuff is really interesting and super smart Mm -hmm. but it's it's less impactful to someone who just watches the movies who's not as invested as like some like people we are and also it's just creepy but (laughs) yeah no absolutely absolutely it's just poorly done even though under the surface it's like 
super good. It's like you, it's like you made a really good cake, but then on top of that cake, you put like burnt meatloaf. <laughs> I I love that analogy. <laughs> and um, it's like, man, you know, everything on the inside of this is really good, but why is there burnt meatloaf on this? Well, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, and I think that speaks to George Lucas's Star Wars kind of in general. Um, we talked about this last time that the the nuggets underneath all of the trade federation blockade you know senate stuff is very true and interesting and he kind of just screws it up and i think he had he's a good storyteller but perhaps not a great filmmaker and you know perhaps if someone else was there to kind of shepherd it along like he had in you know the original films other other opinions um it's, it's also hard i mean this story like attack of the clones we we had to they had to fill in so much in what two and a half hours almost mm. um and with the clone wars cartoons it fleshed out a lot of the stuff i think part of what this movie suffers from is uh so much is trying to be told in such a short amount of time like it would have been nice to have maybe have had some supplemental books kind of like we have with the new canon explaining a little more things that happened in between the movie like the scenes from the movie it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot to put in in such a short amount of time like he had to cut certain areas but unfortunately that's you know that's just the beast of the that yeah. or if you had an extra movie like okay let, let's imagine a world where this is actually episode one and there's a whole other movie between this and three do you think that it helps i, I see it for me it's really just the 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 storytelling in this film that's the problem like i said we spend so much time going down this mystery of this assassination attempt which is just such a side thing to to what eventually ends up being the main conflict i i feel like the time period is right but this what they're doing with that time is is wrong i think the lead up to the start of the war is right but i'm just not sure they they picked the right um inciting incidents and mm-hmm. of, and I think they obviously should have written the romance better. Less but creepy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Please less creepy because. But again, I don't mind. Like he makes sense to me. She doesn't. Like if she was a young nineteen-year-old too. If it was more of a Romeo and Juliet, we're just dumb and we don't care about the consequences, and we're just angry and full of hormones. That would be one thing. But she's a freaking senator, and. Blame so the my... force. Just blame the force. Well, that's my thing. I think she just thinks he's really hot. And she's like, oh, this Jedi is into me. This is kind of cool. I don't know. There's just no rationalization for it. She's too smart. Like, going back to Anakin, so his mother dies, and he flips out. He kills everyone. He comes back. And he literally says, I killed them all. I slaughtered them like animals, you know. And then no red flags at all. And she literally sits down next to me and goes, to be angry is to be human. I'm like, are you serious? He just talked about slaughtering women. He goes, yeah, not just the men, the women and children too. And she's like, oh, honey. Yeah, there's so many instances where it's like huge, glaring red flags in the wind, flares and fireworks. <laughs> and she's just like, no, nah, this is cool. This is totally fine. It's like, this is not fine. This is the behavior of someone with severe problems. We're lucky that we have the Clone Wars Oh, thank God we have the Clone Wars. (laughs) Because it makes all of it a little bit more palatable. Like, even their scenes in Clone Wars are, there's like a hint of this kind of 
more sexy romance. Um, right. That so makes like, oh, it's, be- it's all behind the scenes. Right, yeah. It's like an energy thing. It's like an actual romance, but it's just so poorly represented in the film. But I guess speaking back to Anakin and his evolution, I think, you know, this film does do a good job of, you know, right out the gate showing why he's going to be so troubled and he immediately questions Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan proves to be not, I don't think, as firm as a master as as Anakin needed. Yeah, you see him struggling with, with absolutely everything. Every task he's given, every conversation he has, he has an opinion on it. I think his evolution in this film is well represented um if not obnoxious that's what i'm talking about obi-wan yes so obi-wan obi-wan i mean obi-wan's just awesome he has the best haircut he does he does have the best hair and he's just the best you know what line i really like is when they go in the bar and anakin's like i'm gonna look for this for this man woman because they cannot decide for some reason yeah right and then and then he and then he's like where are you going and obi-wan's just like for a drink like i i kind of like that line he's really funny in this movie yeah. he's smirky he's like jovial he has humor and whimsy and they talk about the nest of gundarks a gundark we've we've talked of gundarks yeah we even talked about that scene <laughs> when we talked about gundarks so so vicky you brought up the fact that um Obi-Wan Kenobi and the relationship with Anakin, do you think that you said something about how he may not have been the right kind of master to him? Do you think it was that they had a master and apprentice relationship? Or do you think it was because they were almost like brothers? I mean, in episode three, you refer to Obi-Wan refers to Anakin as, you know, you're my brother. So there's there's that little, Mm. you know. I think you're 100% correct. I I said this uh, in the episode one, is that I'm not entirely sure that uh, Obi-Wan was ready to be promoted when Qui-Gon died. I think both of them were kind of in a similar situation then. I, I also think if you trace it back, uh, Yoda has a great line when Obi-Wan's expressing concern about how Anakin uh, doesn't really listen to authority. And Yoda's like kind of claps back. He's like, yeah, it's a trend I'm seeing with a lot of Jedi now. Um, Obi-Wan suffers from that same kind of, not as much, but a little bit of independence and stubbornness. And he doesn't treat him with that intensity you see in Clone Wars with other Jedi Masters. They do act like brothers and equals. And that might be Anakin's fault, because he is someone who has had friends and relationships and love as a kid, and and he clearly is not as serious as, um, you know, the other Padawan learners are. Um, so that might just be Obi-Wan um, responding to him. But I think it also has to do with the fact that this was a mandate from his dying master. All of it's far too personal than it should be, I think, in these relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And then Obi-Wan spends pretty much the entire movie like hunting down, like, what is it about these clones? Like, why, you know, what's with the clones? Getting into all the cool stuff while... Anakin and Padme kind of just talk about things. Yeah, poor, poor Hugh McGregor, though. I'm just thinking of all of his scenes. It's just until he gets an amazing scene with Christopher Lee, he's like just talking yeah. to, to CGI characters for the yeah. entire film. Yeah, and, and that, yeah, that too. And then, yeah, like that scene, though, with him and Christopher Lee are so, is so good. Yeah. it's That's like the best scene in the whole movie. 
you know, it goes back to what you were saying, where it's like none of the stuff they're uncovering seems all that interesting. It's like it kind of doesn't. The He's lines like, don't connect in a in yeah. a logical way. He just kind of yeah. keeps stumbling upon different things <laughs> that all they're all connected, but it doesn't seem it doesn't it, it it neither seems exciting for the viewer or a purposeful plan of of breadcrumbs that you know Palpatine laid out on purpose. Like it, it just seems a little bizarre. So there's not a lot of in, intrigue. Well, do you think Palpatine purposely left breadcrumbs, or do you think that he just actually is stumbling upon these things? <sighs> I don't know why else he would have called Obi-Wan to protect Padme after the first assassination attempt. Uh, I could see that as maybe he's trying to, he he's interested in Anakin. He's trying to distract Obi-Wan with this task. Honestly, Padme really didn't, if she lived or died, attention? I don't think, well, I don't, I don't think Padme is, you know, if she, had she died for the, the grand scheme of things for uh, Palpatine's, idea i don't think it would have really affected anything i think he's just trying to figure out a way to isolate or at least get obi-wan kenobi busy with stuff so you can see how anakin works separate from the larger jedi order sure but busy with stuff being like the the, the clone uncovering army? of his master plot. well and then yeah. oh and, and i guess that's also too is he i don't think he meant for all this stuff to to go down the way it went down um, then why have the guy who they're using as the clone be the one sent to Coruscant to try and assassinate Padme. It's just well, he probably did it himself. Well, I'm wondering too is who who sent out that the mandate to have Jango Fett do that? We don't know who that was. I mean, I don't Dooku think... probably right because then Jango goes to Geonosis. Probably, when... but at the same time, I don't. You're also looking at Palpatine. Palpatine's not making all the decisions at this point. You're having, you know, Dooku's kind of making not the smartest decisions either. Yeah, Dooku's Dooku's motivations puzzle me too. All right, so we can move. Can we move on to Dooku and, and Sidious and talk about sure. them a little bit more? Um, so Dooku, I, I'm I'm confused about. So uh, it's who's tall forehead Jedi guy? What's his name? Uh, uh <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, I know exactly who you're talking about, and I can't think of his name. Yeah, Kiati Mundi. Kiati Mundi. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that dude, he's the one who says, um, when when Padme says, I think Dooku was behind my assassination, which who knows why she makes that logical leap, he goes, Dooku's a political idealist, not a murderer. Oh, yeah. She does. So from the get, we don't think that he's a Sith. He's presented as this political dude who's trying to rally this separatist movement. And I'm trying to remember, do we know he's connected to Sidious until that last scene? I think as viewers, we didn't. Because the way he presents it to Obi-Wan was that the Trade Federation, Newt Gunright, came to him after he had this interaction with Darth Sidious and said, hey, there's this dude Darth Sidious who's controlling the Senate. It's like really crazy let's leave the Senate because it's screwed up. And the way he talks about Qui-Gon and how he, it's just, I, I can't understand who he's playing because Alex, I know you've talked about trying that, that, that was part of him trying to convince Obi-Wan to join the dark side. But I, I'm, I'm curious how much of the plan of Sidious's larger plan he's into. Cause he does tell Sidious at the end, like the war has started, like that was their big plan. 
But I'm just I'm just so confused about. So did, did the Trade Federation guys just randomly come to Dooku? No, because well, you know what? That, that, I mean, that's a good question. I, I wish we had a, a book in between episodes one and two. Um, we know that Dooku has been involved with the plan from the very beginning of the the creation of the clone army, or at least it's alluded to in, in right. a, a few sources. So if the Trade Federation has been working with Sidious this whole time, I think it's safe to assume that they know that Dooku is working with him as well. But again, we are we don't have any hard facts to prove that. It's a lot of assumptions. Uh, we don't have a lot of information. But I, I think you're right about the, about us not finding out that he's working with you know Palpatine until the very end. I think we can assume, but again, it's not... But isn't we there don't a know scene? until they're actually talking. There's this. Oh yeah, that yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think I remember it being a surprise when I watched it the first time because yeah, he presents it like this was a response to the fact that that Darth Sidious was was working within the Senate, um, but that might just be a lie he tells Obi Wan, and that the Trade Federation is. On, but that they couldn't have been the Trade Federation and all of them. They couldn't have been in on the Clone War the clone army aspect of it i don't think so i think that was the thing that it was between dooku and palpatine right because why would they would call bs on it they're like why are you sending because they oh, yeah. created both sides of this war yeah that entire the entire you know trade get the the trade federation and all the you know the commerce guild and all that would have i mean they die at the end um i think but those Django are two schemes Fett going knows about it that's the weirdest part to me does so, he though yes because he goes to geonosis he, oh, when, yeah, I guess he, well, he does. He knows that the clones were made for the Republic. I don't know if he was told the backs, you know, the whole plan of Sidious. At the time, Dooku was under the impression that he had met a Jedi Knight by the name of Sifo-Dyas. So this whole yeah. time, he's under the assumption that it's for the Jedi. I don't know if he ever really knew the whole, you know, Count Dooku. But he was recruited by Dooku. He says he was recruited by Lord Tyrannus, which is what Sidious calls Dooku at the end. Oh, that is true, huh? And he goes to Dooku. When he sees Obi-Wan come to uh, Kamino, he's like, oh, crap, I should probably... My assumption is he goes to Geonosis because he's like, oh, crap, I should probably go tell my boss. Um, you know, and plus, he was sent by Dooku to kill Padme because it was a favor to Newt Gunray. That was the only way they would sign the treaty. So for some reason, Jango Fett knows that there are two different sides of this war as well that are being waged by Count Dooku. He could also just be smart enough. He's he's probably getting paid a lot. I mean, I'm yeah. sure Boba Fett knew stuff too. But yeah, that is a that's a loose end. But 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 Dooku as a person, I think, is a more interesting question because he gets dispatched so quickly in the next film. We don't really learn much more about him. Um, right. And I I didn't I didn't realize until I saw the final scene with Yoda. I had forgotten that Yoda trained him. Mm-hmm. So it goes Yoda, Yoda, Dooku, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Anakin. That's a straight line. I've always been curious as to how Dooku and uh, Palpatine meet. Mm. Do you guys know if there's any stories behind that? I've never heard of anything. I mean, but all, we, all we know is that Count Dooku was Yoda's old Padawan. Yeah. Like, I'd be curious to see at what point he left the Jedi Order, I, which I think we see him in the Jedi Order in a flashback in Clone Wars. Ooh, really? No, I, or was that like an that, alternate reality one? Yeah, That's you're thinking of that episode where Yoda, like the last two episodes where Yoda has the weird vision, oh. and it's like all the people around the tree. Yeah, and like Dooku That's and what it was. Ventress and all them are there, but they're it's all everyone's at peace or whatever. 
<laughs> yeah. It's all Jeez, foreshadowing. Oh, and and Dooku's like, well, hey there, Master Yoda. Like, coming to sit by the tree with everybody? And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, Yoda's I mean, kind of a failure, too, then, if, the, if Dooku was his Padawan. I guess that's... Our, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can see like that, or you can see at that certain point, you have to let people make their own decisions. But, yeah, I mean, his, his you know, Padawan did turn to the dark side. So I was kind of I was blaming stuff on Qui Gon, but maybe it goes all the way up to chain. To Yoda had some sort of weak blind spot, but I don't want to I don't want to disparage Master Yoda. That 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 won't go over well. We could just we could just chalk it up to the power of Palpatine instead. The blindness of the yeah. Jedi Order in general. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the only other character I have like space for is Padme, and I've kind of already given my thoughts on yeah. her. It's just so disappointing because she has moments where she's really thoughtful and cool and you could see shades of leia in her and then she just has this big old blind spot for this boy and she even says to him you'll always be that little boy i knew on tatooine yeah and i'm like ew (laughs) like you have children with him i want to redo their love story i wish there could be a supplemental novel that just redoes what we see from them in this film because it would make so much more sense if you had a strong overwhelming vibrant intense love story behind all of this it would make every stupid decision be logical you know what i mean yeah and what sucks too is like this is the not the pinnacle but this is the one that everyone points to like this is the the main line romance that were well i guess other than leia and han but like yeah this is one of the big two and there's so many other instances of romance done so much better yeah. in star wars and it's so frustrating because i don't know about about you guys but there's a tiny 12 year old goth girl inside of me <laughs> that just like lives for this kind yes. of stuff which is why i love i loved like lost stars so much and i really liked <laughs> dark disciple and Anytime, like, I'm, I'm listening to a novel and somebody's like, like, oh, that person is very beautiful. I'm like, do it! <laughs> make out, <laughs> make like, out, make out, make I'm out. I'm like Sidious. I'm like, do it. <laughs> I'm the exact same way, Josh. Make out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and which is why, like, yeah, uh, Rebels drives me insane. I'm just like, if Hera and Kanan oh don't God. make out, I'm going to just lose my freaking mind. And you, know, and you know he's going to die. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just know it. And you're like, if they don't make out by the time I can't, I can't he dies, deal. I don't know if I can deal with it. And I feel like it speaks a lot because we're both that, Josh. I don't know where you fall on this weird spectrum, Alex. But I was 14 when I saw this. And that's like peak, like, make out age. And I still was like, <laughs> meh. So yeah, I, I was more interested in, oh, my God, look at those clones. Look at that smooth <laughs> armor. Look at those guns. Like, I, I mean, for me, that was... That's what I saw. The the love yeah. story, I, it's like, okay, I know this has to happen. They're not showing it the best, but it's fine, whatever. I know They're, this has to happen. I was like, she's going <laughs> to die. There's no way around it. She's going to die. It's kind of like when you're watching Rogue One and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to connect with these characters. Oh, they're dead. Okay, it's all right. It's, it was yeah. kind of the same thing. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, it's for me, it was, okay, it's a love story. We get it. There's They can't really show too too much because I think you start – pushing too much time on the love story versus every other bit of the story that they have to tell, which as we've discussed, they don't necessarily do the best. 
but yeah I'll, I'll let the romance that's all your guys's stuff go for it <laughs> i think the simple thing we talked about last time putting them closer together in age maybe it's just so hard because they established her as the most brilliant queen that Nabu has ever seen and they've established him as a totally emotional and stable child and when you have those two things there's really nothing you can do to make that romance make sense i wonder if they would have if they would have made it so that they had seen each other sporadically like Mm. seen each other a little bit more and at least create a relationship off screen yeah that they could refer to that way it would have been less creepy because instead of just hey i haven't seen you in 10 years hey it was more of a, you know, they've hung out together while he's doing training for something. Maybe she was preparing something in the Senate. I don't know, just a little more of a backstory for their romance. I like that. I would think have been that nice. helped. And they should have been closer to, closer to age. Closer to age would have been that, a big help, too. Yeah, a friendship that kind of under stress blossoms into something more. Like, that would have been good. Yeah, and they don't have to, like, spend full time together. It's just, you know, they see each other once in a while in Coruscant, little things here and there, but there's that creation of a friendship first yeah and it evolves into this romance and they're already friends when the assassination attempt shows up and then like they're good friends you know and they're like she'll always be my friend i don't want her to get killed by poisonous slugs right and then and then you have the like oh but they're going away to naboo and they're like 19 you know yeah exactly and it's like they're all alone in the most romantic place that's ever existed (laughs) It's like, well, what do you expect's gonna happen? You know, then it then it makes sense. Then I think it makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Wasn't there a deleted scene where they meet her parents? Is this real? Like, I swear, there's a del- there's a deleted scene where they go into the apartment, like into her it old sounds, home. It's real. It, I, hold on. Like, it doesn't sound real, but it sounds dumb enough to be real. I, I know there's a scene where at least they're in her bedroom, and she's unpacking clothes or something, and you see like hollow hollow frames along her walls and it's her growing up as a kid it's really really weird like that's i'm glad they cut that scene out because it makes it feel a little awkward like hey we're in your room oh god i see a picture of it it? it's like hey what you're describing i'm folding my socks folding my underwear (laughs) you're watching it oh it's real (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's one of those scenes where it's like yeah we didn't we definitely did not need that (laughs) oh and they're like, yeah, it's it's all the women in the kitchen making food. Right? It, it's, and then, it's weird. And then, yeah, they're in her old bedroom and all the pictures are, like, moving around and stuff. And moving she's around like, like Harry just... Potter? Exactly like that. Yeah, they're holograms in frame, basically. Ugh, she has God, a nice house, is... though. It's a nice house. Well, I was enjoying it because, I mean, I like the Naboo scenes because every other scene in the film is so heavily CGI'd. It's, there's no real environments. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was one of my big frustrations with this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you see the originals and the amount of extras or even the matte paintings of Stormtroopers, and it's just impressive knowing that they're actual people. And then you watch this movie and you realize they did not build a single suit. All those were the same guy pretty much in green screen. And mm-hmm. it, it just kind of, it it pulls you out of it. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, the entire conversation Obi-Wan has on Kamino. Like, pretty much every scene Obi-Wan's in, the factory floor, the, so much of it. There's so few, like, tactile elements mm-hmm. in the film. Um, so it is kind of a, a nice when we go to both Naboo and Tatooine because there's a little bit of of actual costuming and set design and lighting and uh just having recently been in italy 
uh, I'll brag about again. Um, Naboo is clearly <laughs> inspired by Italy, and, and it's gorgeous, and the columns and the huge buildings are very Which the, the main the main chambers of the, the Naboo Palace, that was filmed in Italy, correct? I, I would not be surprised. It felt, it looked exactly like everything I saw. I know it's a, it's a real place you can go visit, and it looks just like it. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. very nice. Well, I'm going to go and just start going down all my notes from the watching of the film. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Lady Assassin Z- Sam? Sure. Sam Weisel? Yeah. Sounds right. <laughs> what is a changeling? Do we ever see that ever again? Clone Wars. Yep. Where in Clone the, Wars? Uh, changeling, one of the bounty hunters in that episode where they all infiltrate the Jedi Temple. One of them's a changeling. You also see one of her species in Forces of Destiny. Oh. In one of the most recent episodes. Are they also a bounty hunter? Can changelings only be bounty hunters? Well, it's kind of like not all Mandalorians are bounty hunters, but we just always see them as bounty hunters. I mean, if you were a changeling, like, what else would you do? You're not going to be, like, making sushi. I was going to say a chef. In the underworld, like, be like, I'm a different chef every day. Like, that that, that seems like a waste. It's it's a good skill to have. Um, the worms are really gross and really well animated. The ones that try to kill her. Oh yeah. Ugh. The gr- the the centipedes. Or whatever. Yeah. E. And I'm always very impressed by how uh, Anakin is able to slice those in half without killing her when she's lying in bed. I always find that very satisfying to watch. I've, I've always found it interesting too how the centipedes knew when to hide under the sheets. And what oh, they yeah. were going to do is, like, someone said, all right, you're going to go to this girl, and you're going to bite her. Just don't get caught. Like, they were Got in it. on the plan or something, you know? Speeder chase ride. I want a speeder chase ride. <laughs> I want to fly around Coruscant. And I just, the design of Coruscant is very cool. We finally get to see it, like, the gritty, Blade Runner-y aspect of it uh, this time around, which is cool. Have you gone on Star Tours recently? Do they have They have one? a Coruscant scene. I haven't done the course because they have different options. I don't think I ever have either. It's really cool, except part of it doesn't make sense. Um, I won't say what happens during the scene, but when you guys do go on it, let me know, and I'll tell you what part has always bugged me. But there is one (laughs) of the scenes you actually, it's actually during the Battle of Coruscant from Episode 3. You go on to Coruscant. It's it's really fun, but there's like a little weird thing that's always bugged me about the scene. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Um, Some fun uh, actor notes. Uh, Owen Lars is Joel Edgerton. And uh, the uh, Dorme, her, it was Kira Knightley was her body double in episode one, and Rose Byrne is her body double in this one. So a couple interesting uh, early, before they were famous, ca- casting uh, decisions there. Jawa juice. Is that a drink made for Jawas or of Jawas? What? I think it's a derivative of Jawas, like sweat. Where did, where did Jawa <laughs> juice come from? Dex's when he's diner. going to the diner. He's like, you want a cup of Jawa juice? Oh my God, he's really what he says. Yeah, one of the it's droids what, says. She says. Yeah. Yeah, the little droid. Which I I love uh, that droid design. Yeah, yeah. the little like pops up in Star Tours again too. I, maybe it's just named after them. Let me look it up. Because yeah. I they because uh, it's not coffee. I always thought maybe it was like coffee, but after reading a, a couple books, it's definitely not what coffee is in Star Wars. Star Wars. Maybe we should do a whole episode on the foods of Star in Star Wars, but yeah. like they call it calf. Like caffeine is coffee in Star Wars. They're like, oh, someone made a cup of calf. So Jawa juice is a drink called Ardiz. It's uh, 
made of bantha hide smashed with fermented grains. Okay, so no Jawas were hurt no to bring Jawas us this Jawa hurt. juice. Yeah, I'm sure they make it. Yeah, maybe they make, yeah, it's like oh. their toilet wine or whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, so uh, what, I just got to give a shout out. InSync was supposed to be in that big final battle. I don't know if you guys remember I this. Remember I remember that. Huge, huge InSync fan at the time. But their scenes apparently just coincidentally ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, that would have been so, weird. Of course it would have been, been weird. really weird. But, like, I don't see the harm in putting them in just as one of the background ones. There's tons of Jedi running around. They, like, die 10 seconds in. <laughs> um, Mace Windu decapitating Jango is really, like, violent and aggressive. Somebody gets decapitated in every one of these movies. I just realized. Who gets decapitated in the first one? Darth Maul. <laughs> I mean... Uh, he gets... Everyone gets something cut off. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, decapitated. I, I, well, decapitated is, is, <laughs> is your, your head. head. Yeah. So is he it, was... He gets yeah, sliced cap. and diced. He gets diced. <laughs> he gets diced. I just love... There's a great line from C-3PO to R2-D2 who goes, For a mechanic, you seem to do an excessive amount of thinking. And uh, I just... I like that. That's the first realization from C-3PO that R2-D2 is going to be a lot of trouble for him. <laughs> Okay, I guess you guys are right, but I, but <laughs> I googled decapitated and it's like cut off the the head of a person. I'm like, okay, and then the second one, the second uh, definition is attempt to undermine a group or organization by removing its leaders. And I'm like, jeez, oh, there you go, Star Wars. So yeah, oh, wait a minute, there's four decapitations. <laughs> So I had a question about some of the droids that we see in the final battle on Geonosis. Um, I feel like we don't see them again. There's like a couple different um, mechanical things that I don't remember seeing in Clone Wars. Like these rolling things that shoot missiles, these big walking guys with huge long noses and big red eyes. They, they do pop up. A few of them do pop up. Um, so the in-universe definition is that they're all from different guild companies. So that's why we don't mm. always see them together at the same time. Okay. Was the Death Star built by Geonosians? Yes. Those, so those little Ge- bug guys? Geonosians, yeah, built, I think, a bulk of it, yeah. They built, I know they at least started the frame, <laughs> um, yeah. but I think, I, I think the Republic built the majority of it. Okay. Um, Dooku's ship with the gold parachute is gorgeous. One of the many design things that are, that are really nice. And also just a shout out to how great Christopher Lee is in this film. It's kind of surprising, considering how poorly received the first film was, that someone of, of his caliber would sign up. Um, but that kind of just speaks to the lure of Star Wars, I think, that everybody kind of has a fantasy of being in Star Wars. And he brings such gravitas, and he's so measured. And I think that's it, it's kind of why it's so hard to figure him out, because he's so good at lying and, and weaving these webs. And then when he's fighting, he um, they get a great... First of all, they get a great body double for him, and he has this manic smile that comes out in that moment. That's that's really stellar. It's the Dracula smile. He's also like the <laughs> best dressed guy in Star Wars too. Like his whole sleek outfit, even his lightsaber is yeah, sleek and curved, so cool. and I mean it's just it's nice. Yeah, they made it like a gold like a rapier. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, he's very old school. Like he's like fe- like it's very fancy. Like yeah, one handed versus two. Yeah. And then my final note is, why is it called the Clone War? Why is it not called the Separatist War? I mean, because Clone War, I get Clone War rolls off the tongue better. 
I'm just curious if George Lucas knew what this war was when no. he had Obi-Wan say Clone Wars. I don't war. think he did. I think it evolved over time, but yeah, I don't think it was like... I think he's like, man, it would be cool. Clone War. <laughs> Do we see clones anywhere else in the universe? Because the guy says Kaminoans, uh, they're cloners. Damn good ones, too. Not, not in the films, I don't think. No, not in the in films. In some of the books, like there are still some leftover clones. No, but is in anything else that has been cloned on, on scale like this? Oh. Because clearly Kamino has a whole operation. Other than Palpatine and Legends. <laughs> That's about it. I wonder what happened to Kamino like after episode three. I think right? weren't they all wiped out? Oh mate, probably. I, think, I, I think they were all wiped out just like Geonosis was. That would make sense if, if Palpatine wanted to cover tracks and Yeah. So that's all the notes I have. Yep. We did it. I have one one more thing to bring up. Oh no. Real quick. I love <laughs> I love uh evil C three PO in this movie. When he switches his head with the battle droid. <laughs> yes, that is and a it, moment of uh silliness. Doesn't he t- say like die rebel dogs or no Jedi dogs or something like that? Yeah, he, he, he loses himself for a moment yeah. and it's and it's cute. It's a fun yes. scene. <laughs> yes. Well we did it. We got through episode two. <laughs> Next time, we're going to talk about episode three. Yay. We're going to do it. We have a little bit of news and then, you know, Creature of the Week and all that good stuff. So let's just get right into it. Let's talk about some news. I have good news for you, my lord. All right. First piece of news is possibly sad news but could be happy in the end i don't know a lot of people have different feelings about this disney to pull all movies from netflix and start own streaming service and i realized that like everyone under the sun is like trying to get that netflix money they're trying to start their own streaming service but i was talking about this with a bunch of friends yesterday and i was saying you know if anyone has enough clout and just a enough of a back catalog of content to yeah. actually warrant their own streaming service it's disney so uh, let's just get let's get into the story disney announced during its quarterly earnings call with investors today that they will be making a dynamic shift in their strategy for streaming content according to the hollywood reporter it is unknown at this time how this will impact star wars content but it could potentially put future releases via netflix in some jeopardy bob Iger today announced a 1.58 billion dollar deal to purchase bam tech BamTech is a streaming technology company that is currently owned by Major League Baseball. The purchase is being made to help Disney build out the technology for two separate but related new endeavors. First, Disney will be launching a streaming option for ESPN that looks to offer an additional 10,000 sporting events over what ESPN currently makes available, which they've needed to do. I don't even watch sports, but they've needed to do that for a long time. Yes. Uh, The ESPN service is expected in 2018. The second endeavor... The one more potentially relevant to Star Wars fans is a Disney movie streaming service that will be launched in 2019. So some people are really sad about this because they've been putting all the Marvel movies and all the Star Wars movies and stuff on Netflix and it's nice to just have it all in one place. But I'm curious if if this Disney streaming service came out and it had everything Star Wars, so we're talking Rebels, all the movies, all of Clone Wars, it had all the Marvel movies, every disney movie ever made and then also had like old disney cartoons and just like disney 
channel stuff on there like would you actually pay for this because i think i would i think it depends on how much it is because i mean right now we own all the disney movies all the marvel and all the star wars so if we're just paying you know like so cbs is doing this with their own streaming service star trek and that's what 15 dollars a month that's a lot that's a lot for one show yeah so i don't know how well that's going to go over disney i can see it working but they need to make sure that there is at least new content exclusively just there because i know a lot of disney fans and marvel and star wars we own or at least i know we own all the dvds of all the movies and cartoons already so there would need to be something we don't already have so this is the way of the future um that's kind of the bottom line here this is what everybody's gonna do every large company is going to have their own streaming service with their own content cable's not going to exist anymore and the market's going to decide what amount of money is the proper amount of monthly payment i think it's going to end up in a netflix area of around seven or eight dollars i'll do that yeah Yeah. Um, yeah i would pay for that and then at that point you subscribe to your 10 you know, streaming services, and then you're paying as, like, still, actually, capables can be quite a bit more than that still, um, and then you have yourself covered. Or you're like everyone else, and you pay for one. And, and you share sh- it all. Share it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I so literally funny. don't pay for, I think I pay for Amazon, basically. I Yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the provider for four people's netflix and netflix just uh crossed 100 million users for the first time so they clearly don't care yeah um but this is the way of the future you could be sad about it i think my 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 strange thing is that you said it's not happening until 2019 yeah then why are they pulling their stuff now they're not because, well they are because i i've been watching clone wars on uh on netflix and today for the first time a thing popped up when i started watching an episode saying this content will only be available through to september 7th well, because it was already going to be... Clone Wars was already going to get taken off of Netflix like a month or two ago, and they extended it. Boo. Why? See? But this is the good thing about it. Netflix yeah. stuff comes and goes, and it's very upsetting. If I can have... and Oh, and yes, Alex, you're correct. People like us have the movies and stuff, but anybody younger than us, they're not buying physical content anymore. Yeah. There is a market for that. I just like having the physical item as opposed to having to, you know hope for my tv to buffer it's nice for when your internet goes out yeah yeah i like to have a backup because i think we're relying a lot on the internet for everything at at a certain at a certain point it's gonna bite us in the butt yeah if they have all the star wars all the marvel and like a ton like if they have like a bunch of old mickey mouse cartoons and stuff on there oh man i'd be i'm down if they do like a live action original content too right there they did star wars i'd be from what I understand, they are going to have their own exclusive content. Okay, then, yeah, that's... Again, I, the price point needs to be just right, though, for what they're offering. Like, CBS yeah. and the Star Trek, I'm a big Star Trek fan, too. And I, I, I'm not subscribing to that for a show that doesn't look like Star Trek. Well, you also might be able to get a, a Disney bundle, which is going to be... I, I know you said you're not a big sports guy, Josh, but it might be, like, Disney and ESPN and ABC... There might be a larger bundle like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope it comes with ESPN 8, the Ocho. So. <laughs> Which oh. they did as a joke. Did you see that? No. Yeah. Really? They did that yesterday. <sighs> so yesterday was August 8th, and so they, ch- they turned ESPN 8 into the Ocho, and they played dodgeball. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'd, I'd pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next news story, Star Wars Secrets of the Empire Hyper-Reality Experience coming to <gasps> Disney this year i'm already in line (laughs) 
StarWars.com has revealed the release date for the upcoming Hyper Reality, whatever that means. Feature set for release in downtown Disneyland, which Alex and I are close to, so we're totally going. And Disney Springs at Walt Disney World later this year. The experience promises to, quote, plunge fans into the Star Wars universe. And then there's like a a thing from Lucasfilm here that says, uh, created by uh, ILM and LAB. Not sure what I know what LAB is. Lucasfilm's immersive entertainment division in collaboration with The Void. It will open to the public at two new Void Experience Centers at Downtown Disney and Disneyland Resort. The Disney Springs at Walt Disney Resort beginning this holiday season, Star Wars Secrets of the Empire will allow fans to move freely in an untethered social and multi-sensory experience. What does that mean? (laughs) Including interaction with friends, fans, and Star Wars characters. What does that mean? Who knows? is just for star wars it's just so exciting so it looks like you're gonna be walking through three-dimensional worlds that once you put the vr goggles on you'll actually see see i don't think it is vr i think it's ar yes ar sorry so like i know that lucasfilm had that whole video where it's like we're messing with vr because why not everyone is right and they had like kcuso walking down a hallway or whatever but it the way they're making this seem is that like you're still gonna be you know, talking to like your friends and stuff when you're there and your family and all that when you're around, but you'll have these AR glasses on so that when you're moving around, it looks like, you know, I'm, I'm in Tatooine or whatever. And oh man, K2SO is walking around with us and stuff like that. So, and it's this year, it's this year. I'm curious where they're going to put it. I don't know where they're going to put it. It's in downtown Disney. Well, I know, Build-A-Bear, all those stores right there are closing. So I'm wondering Take if you're going to Take Build-A-Bear space. down. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Build-A-Bear, the... Uh, they're closing all those stores? Yeah. they're Apparently, they're closing all that whole that whole area, that line of stores for new dining experiences. But oh. I wouldn't be surprised that they put this in that same area. That's a big footprint. Well, keep me updated on that because I'm flying out. <laughs> you're already flying out for Last Jedi. Gonna, well, I know. I guess it's... it would be at the same time. So that makes sense. That's a whole weekend right there. Dude, yeah, we're gonna okay, we're gonna go see Last Jedi twice and then go to Disneyland. This is yes. the dream vacation right here. Yes. Let's do it. Alright. Next news story, Star Wars Episode 9 adds Jack Thorne as a writer. And according to the Hollywood Reporter, Jack Thorne has been brought in as a new writer for Episode 9, which they are doing like the you know, the subsequent rewrites of right now. Thorne is a prominent British TV writer and writer of the upcoming film Wonder, starring Julia Roberts and Jacob Tremblay. And as for his genre credits, he recently created the stage play adaptation of the new theatrical addition to the Harry Potter universe with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and writes for Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams anthology series. What's Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams anthology series? I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds so, cool. So. Yeah. I, I Well, I'm imagining it's stories that probably take place in the Blade Runner universe. Yeah. That's awesome. Where does, where does that happen? Who knows? <gasps> The poster for it's really trippy. Well, he has he has nerd cred, so that's he awesome. He does have nerd cred. All right, and our last piece of news. Uh, remember how last episode we were like, yeah, Spencer Wildling, he's going to totally be in the Han Solo movie. Turns out he's not totally going to be in the Han Solo movie. <laughs> he wrote this note like the day after we did the podcast where he's like, there's a rumor out there that's saying that I'm in the new Han Solo film and whatnot. He's like, I had to cancel on a show uh, because I'm doing a charity visit at a school and not being in the movie. Oh. So 
But again, he could be lying because I'm pretty sure he wrote on his Facebook, I'm totally going to be in Star Wars. And they probably are like, you can't say that. Well, from, from what I heard is the convention that he was going to be at just wrote that in that he was going to be in the new Star Wars movie without consulting him or Lucasfilm. So that's where the rumor started. He had to backtrack based on what they said, and the convention later uh, retracted what they said. There you go. Rumors are going crazy. Yeah. Anyways, that is the end of all our news. Now it's time for... Wait, wait. I mean, we should mention the fact that there's news we're not talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I almost... It came out today. I almost forgot. Entertainment Weekly released basically a giant issue with tons of new um last jedi information in which i've looked at all of it i'm not going to repeat it because there's you know people that might not be uh they might not want any spoilers but there's a bunch of pictures most of it i don't think is very spoilery except for what mark hamill says which i think what he said was kind of what we all expected but still it's like kind of just cementing what some people expected into reality and maybe people don't really want to know that so i'm not going to repeat it and also there's some pictures of like a new alien race and stuff so if you're interested in that you should go check it out apparently there was a ton of like set photo leaks and stuff too but they've all been removed from a lot of places so though i'm sure you can still find them i'm sure you can your thing i also want to give a shout out to laura dern was on colbert the other night and uh, obviously could not talk very much about Star Wars or her character. But it was, she did reveal that at one point she gets to shoot a blaster. So she's clearly not just some sort of, I I thought she might be kind of like a general who's just staying back and kind of pointing at things, but she's clearly going to be in the mix somewhere. And uh, when asked whether she's a a good character or a bad character, she alluded that it's very complex. So I'll post the video to our Facebook page. Cool. Sweet. That that would be cool. All right. Now that's it for the news. And now we go on to Creature of the Week. Woo! They want no wonder. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. This week for our Creature of the Week, we're talking about the Rancor, which Man, Rancors are so cool. I had a big I had a big Rancor toy. How big? Back in the day. Well, maybe not like, you know, life size, but <laughs> <laughs> Is it the Big-ish? one the one that fits the thirty three quarter action figures? I believe so. He's sitting right next to me. Yeah. yeah. Good old good old Rancor. I'd I'd take a plush Rancor. Yeah, it's actually be... a good name for like a dog. Like if I had a bulldog, name Rancor. Aww. I'm getting a dog soon. I'm very excited. Name it Rancor. Well, it depends on what it is. Poodle. We have a bunch of names. It depends. Anyways, Rancors were large, semi-sentient reptilian carnivores native to the planet Dathomir, standing around five meters tall with their long arms, immense jaws, and armored hides that could withstand blaster fire. They were formidable predators. A species known as the Jungle Rancor populated the planets Felucia and Teth. Man, I don't want to run into no Jungle Rancor. Yeah, what's a Jungle Rancor? They have more teeth and spikes. Mm, mm. And I think they're greener too. I More didn't green. know that Rancors were from Dathomir. That's the Night Sisters. I didn't planet, know that right? either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Do we ever see them on Dathomir in Clone Wars? That's a good question. I don't think so. They go know. to Dathomir in Dark Disciple also, and they they talk about like a a monster, but it's not a Rancor. It's like a <laughs> it's like a squid monster. Yeah. 
I'm seeing on the Wikipedia that uh, the concept for the Rancor was described by its creators as being a cross between a bear and a potato. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like a potato, but it, I mean, I guess the skin color kind of, it's like a giant. It's, it's like if you, know. it's like if you get the machine from the fly and you put a potato on one side and a bear <laughs> on the other. And you get that. You get that. Oh, that's gosh, that slimy. moment in the fly where the thing comes and it's like deformed. That's such a crazy scene. Everyone <laughs> go watch the fly. It's awesome. Yes. Anyway, that's actually going to be it for the show. Wait, hold on. I want to just shout out to the like human handler guy who loved the Rancor. Oh, at Jabba poor the man. Hutt's place. Doesn't he have a short story? I've never read it. He owned a <laughs> Rancor and it died and he cried. He was so sad. It, there was it was just like an interesting moment where it was like victory, hooray, and then it's like oh no, but that was that guy's best friend. So you know, every story has two sides. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe his will be one of the stories in that book that I'm excited about. The uh, what's it called? The, from a certain point of view. Yeah, it'll be like man, I'm so angry at Luke Skywalker, not my hero. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> That Rancor's name was Patisa, actually. It says it happened. Oh, God, when you give it a name. Oh. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Long Time Ago Radio. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email us at podcast at com. And if you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, you can do so by looking up The Jawa Josh. Everyone else, where can they find you? I am at Rebecca June Lane, and I've been really bad about doing the Twitter, but we have one, and it's at lta underscore radio you can find me on instagram that's uh dapper underscore fet uh don't forget we have a facebook page facebook.com slash long time ago radio and for anyone who collects anything star wars get ready force friday 2 it's coming up september 1st oh so crap. start saving that. your money we'll talk we can talk more about it later there's not a lot of news yet um but when we get closer uh, i'll i'll pull up some information all right that's gonna be it may the force be with you goodbye everyone bye peace